Welcome to the Surge Strength Podcast, powered by Ritter Sports Performance. This podcast is dedicated to helping swim coaches and swimmers learn how to properly implement dry land and strength training programs that result in moving better, reducing injuries, and swimming faster. Let's join your host, Chris Ritter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Surge Strength Podcast. Hope you're doing well. I hope you have at least thought about, if not already, signed up for the free webinar that we have in just a few weeks, The Process of Dryland Training. Go to the theprocessofdryland.training, that's the theprocessofdryland.training, to go ahead and sign up. And then you should also have on your calendars marked Monday, April 26th, because that is the day open enrollment will happen again for you to take the opportunity to become Surge Strength Dryland Certified, put those SSDC credentials behind your name. And the guest today that you're gonna hear are part of our conversation, Kelly, she has already completed that and she is able to put those credentials behind her name. We talked about a lot of things and the interesting thing about Kelly in particular is she is a swim coach up in Canada and has quite a background of strength training, working out, lifting, all of these different things. But she was still always searching for, okay, but how do I apply this to swimming? I know how to work out in general. I know how to get strong in general. But there are some really specific things you need to be aware of when you're doing that for performance gains to be seen in the water with what you're doing on dry land. Some programs can get you really strong on land, but it doesn't translate into the water. You're not gonna see your swimmers holding more water, being able to finish their races stronger, getting off the blocks faster. So there's some intricacies to be aware of. And Kelly has taken multiple personal training certifications. She has a wealth of knowledge and background, but it was still a struggle for her to try to figure out, okay, how specifically with swimming? but the SSDC was really a game changer for that. And she talks about how even if you don't have a background as deep and diverse as hers when it comes to strength training, becoming SSDC is going to help you with that. And she's all about doing what's best for the athletes. So awesome conversation with Kelly. Again, make sure you are signed up for our webinar, The Process of Dryland.Training, and check out more about becoming SSDC on our website, surgestrength.com slash certification. Let's jump on in with Kelly. Dryland Talk. So Kelly, I'm curious, you've had a lot of experience in dryland training, both as a swimmer and as a coach. What mm-hmm. made you decide to enroll to become SSDC? Um, and I actually took my personal training. And okay. Yeah. So, so you have I, a lot of background. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've always wanted to try. I'm, I think I'm addicted to learning. Um, so I took my personal training and it was good, but then it still didn't give me that edge of, okay, I'm going to have to do the extra research to understand exactly how this applies to swimming and how mm-hmm. it relates to swimming. And then when the surge came up, I was like, oh, exactly what I've been looking for, because I think there needs to be like, it needs to be more involved like Mm. i'm in canada i live in a hockey world like (laughs) when i moved to maryland in the states i always explained people that my my family back home is like the the swimming hockey family 
because that's all we talked about. Where here, everybody talks about hockey. There's hockey training programs. There's hockey specialized programs. There's hockey mm-hmm. everything around my town. I have one hockey daughter. So I, fully <laughs> I know what it's like now to be in the right. hockey world. But there isn't for swimming. Mm. And um, I actually had like coworkers at work where I explained to them the effort that the swimmers put in. And they're like, you do what? Like where their kids played hockey and they, they like just the understanding of the logic of how much swimming we do and how involved it is. Like, even when we go to competitions, like when you get back from the pool after prelims, you sleep, you relax, you rest. Hockey is not like that at all. Like not that I'm putting hockey down. My daughter loves hockey, but it's such a different sport that people Mm -hmm. don't understand the commitment to it where I, I just feel that that's lacking. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're right about, I remember the very first personal training certification I took and, you know, it's this big, thick book all at, yeah. at the time. It was all these DVDs, you know, I'm watching the lectures and, and way higher, even level than at the time I was taking college classes, still going through my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like at the end, I was like, okay, now what? <laughs> like I learned all this stuff and I was like, okay, now what? Like, I understand the, the hypertrophy, the power phases and all that. But you're right. There is a, a different step to actually, all right, we're going to implement it. And even another step, if you want to be specific about a certain type of athlete or a certain sport and the demands and all that's mm-hmm. involved in it. Yeah, definitely. So what was so different or helpful for you in the certification for becoming SSDC that maybe helped bridge that gap that you were finding when you were just getting your personal training certification? Um, it's the programming on how different it is. Um, I think maybe I don't remember the hypertrophy strength section of my personal training, but I, for some reason, don't remember learning that. And I think that hit me first. Mm. And as a personal trainer, and even because I've been in the gym, right? And I've lifted not to train for swimming. I've lifted just for myself. And you have like, you have upper body, you have lower body, and then you have your squats and your leg days and your arm days and all these other things. And that's, that's what training is in the world, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I find, ar- at least around me, where you have your leg days and you have these days, and this is the way you do your split days. And you always do about 12 sets of everything, like three sets of 12 <laughs> or 15. And where I learned that through the surge strength that that's not what's benefit for swimmers, right? We go back mm-hmm. to specification because- if you look at training program, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be mm-hmm. a split day or stuff like that. Where I like in the surge strength, it shows you like the five the five movements you have to mm-hmm. be through and and that you focus more on strength, which is really good and stuff like that. I'm sure as an engineer, you like that there's a kind of a system to follow yeah. or the, things, <laughs> things fit together. <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about how that then relates to the programming because I can also see that being a double-edged sword where maybe you're almost overemphasizing, oh, it has to be just right. You know, I'm just picturing as an engineer mind, maybe you're thinking of everything has to line up. And I think sometimes then you go down a rabbit hole of programming or over-programming. What what do you find in your experience? Um, Lately, I've had to actually teach myself to make it simple. And Mm. I think that's one of the things that, that you say in the course is just keep it simple. And I do find myself sometimes over- And like, no, just keep the exercise simple. Just keep it simple. And I think working with the athletes allow me to do that too, because where I think they would be, because I know what they're like in the pool is not where they are in dry land. And that's what I see where there's such a disconnect is that you would think, well, they'd be pretty strong. They're in the pool. They swim all the time where when you get to like a single leg squat and they're wobbly, I'm like, you should have better balance than this like kind of thing where I could see how it would help them in the water. 
So. Yeah, especially when you look at a quote unquote elite swimmer, right? And you see, oh, wow, they're really fast. And then a kid next to them, that's not nearly as fast. Oftentimes we get on land, the slower kid is usually the better athlete yeah. <laughs> and the faster swimmer is the weaker athlete. And I always said that you, you should talk to the faster swimmer and that look how much is on the table for what you can improve. Like you're already mm-hmm. this fast and you can't do a single leg squat. Think about how much power or more power you're going to have off your start or off the yeah. turns if we can just add that a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Can Do you remember a, a specific instance where you have gone from one programming to the other in simplification, in trying to make it more simple, whether it be exercises or the way you write the program? I think a, a prime example is a pistol squat or mm. a single leg squat where um, I tried to see if they could do it. And actually, before I even got them to give them the exercise, I I actually followed the list of exercises that you provide. And I was like, okay, let's start with a single leg sit squat. Like just and, and sit so on a block. you're talking about like going through the levels, right? Yeah. So you're talking yeah. like, oh, we're going to go at level one. Yeah. Okay. So it's where I, I, I kind of, I've taught myself to do it before I get to the athlete. I was like, okay, let's really think about what we, what they can do and what they can't wear. I guess my experiences allows me to look deeper into that because I know yeah. a lot more exercises and that helps a lot. If you know a lot of exercises and know what the understanding them all are. So um, I think if I wouldn't have done that, I was actually surprised at how struggle he struggled to actually control the sit down with the one leg. He could do it with two, but mm. sit down with the one leg. And then we've moved on since then, which is good, but it's just, Yeah. And so in that sit down one, just so make sure our audience is following, that's where we're talking about just working on the eccentric phase, right? Where he's mm-hmm. just going as slow as possible on the way down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And how have you found with exercises like that, where you're just working the eccentric or drop down as we call it, especially for those weaker athletes, how do you find that that helps or is a good starting point? Like, why do you use that? I think it just activates and gets their muscles to understand what's happening. Mm. where it's usually the phase, okay, I'm the heaviest, gravity's pulling me down, I'm just going to sit, where you've got to learn to control, right? <laughs> it's all control. Be smooth, yeah. just like in the water, right? Yeah. you got to be able to have that smooth rhythm on land yeah. as well. So uh-huh. what other things are maybe you exploring? It sounds like programming is a big thing you're trying to dive into and, and just whether it be more proficient or, or be simple. Talk to us a little bit more about what your programming looks like. How do you even sit down to program? Is it the weekly, daily, what does it look like for you? Um, so I offer the four-week program, but I find it easier to do two weeks. So mm. I'll sit down and program two-week workouts, so two workouts per week. Um, and then I'll evaluate what, how they did on those. I'll evaluate on, because I always, I, we do the, um, the squat, hinge, push, pull, and then yep. the brace. How did they do on those exercises? And sometimes I'll actually, like right now, we're working on the more the single leg with one of my athletes where the first two weeks, we're going to do the pistol squat, but elevated to just drop the heel. And Mm. then I will build on that in the next one, the next workout, and then build on that. So that allows me to see how they're progressing through it, Mm -hmm. which helps. So two weeks at a time, four weeks, if they really want the whole workout right away, like the whole program. So yeah. Yeah. I, I can see how your engineering brain is going to appreciate yeah. those step-by-steps, right? All right, we go, we go level one here for a little bit. Now we're going yeah. to level two. Now we're hopefully yeah. Yeah. up to level three at some point. Mm-hmm. Do you find that that helps the athletes gauge a little bit better of where they are too? If you can talk to them about the different levels of exercises or, or where they're at, 
you going back to, it sounds like you really like educating your athletes about the process. Yeah. We haven't got to that part yet because we just started working together, but mm -hmm. I'm trying to like teach them, okay, let me know what weight you lifted so that we mm -hmm. can see the progress. Mm -hmm. And then even when we're at with the one, with the one athlete, I've been working for four weeks. Now we're on to our fifth week, their pushups. I'll make sure that I like your pushups are so much stronger now. And I think they've, they've actually realized that, okay, wait, this is working now kind of thing. So yeah. And it goes back to the, the feedback loop in terms of if you have some assessments or testing and whether that's a formal thing, right? Where we say, all right, this is a quote unquote testing day. Or like you said, they're just doing a pushup set and finishing and you as a coach can give them feedback. Hey, yeah. that looked better than last week. Or how did that feel compared to last week? Now they're seeing, all right, I'm really, I'm getting stronger and then being able to put it to use in the water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't wait till COVID and we can start going to swim meets and we can see the the difference. It's just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys have any idea of what your season is going to look like? Or, I mean, how do you think about that in terms of programming right now? Are you just kind of taking it week by week, month by month with the programming? Yeah, I, I'm going to play it by ear and see how it goes. We're, we're back in the water. We were off after Christmas until mm. last week. We finally got back into the water. So I'm going to adjust the programming depending on if they're in the water or not. So have mm -hmm. more energy into it, more energy exercises in with the lifting if they're out of the water. Right. And then when they're in the water, try and limit and balance what's there. Um, we don't know what's happening. <laughs> no, that's a great point, Kelly. You, know? you bring up about, hey, if they're in the water, I don't have to have the energy component in the dry land. Yeah. But if they aren't in the water, absolutely, we need to add that. Did that yeah. help? going through the certification, thinking about where the conditioning aspect fits into dry land? Yeah. I, like I said, I always think ahead, right? So how can this affect or help or with the swimming and when would I implement and when would I wouldn't, right? So where the energy part of it helped is like, okay, my first thought was the summer. Mm -hmm. So the summer we're off for those two months, this is whenever we would apply that to keep them training through the year. And it's, and we always get that from our swimmers or parents. It's like, okay, what can we do for the summer? What kind of swimming stuff? It's like, okay, we'll take a break from the water, but trying to find something else that complements the swimming that they can do through the summer, right? So we're going to oh. see how that goes. And I'm hoping they get back to competing. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Kelly, I, I really appreciate hearing that someone like yourself with a background as extensive in personal training and in just dryland in general, as an athlete and as a coach, yeah really got value from becoming SSDC. What would you say to other coaches that are thinking about it or just hearing about this for the first time? Why should they enroll to earn their certification? Um, I think it's important. And I think um, one of the lacking, I did go through my coaching level one and level two in the United States. And mm -hmm. then I also went through, um, I, I guess we, we call it, we don't call it level one, level two in, in Canada, but it's called like a um, fundamentals coach. Oh, coaching yeah. certification. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we spend so much time as coaches with these athletes and they are young athletes and they're developing athletes. And nowhere in that certification do they teach us about the muscles and the body parts and how cardio helps them and how in, and all of this stuff. And like through taking my PT course, that first one, I was like, why aren't coaches who, who, are, who are paid to train these athletes to get why are we not taught this? Because like, that's where I think it even goes back to when I was a kid. I was like, why didn't I know any of this? Why wasn't mm. I learning? And I think my whole like career would have changed, but I think that's important. Like as a coach, you need to understand that because you have these coaches giving dryland to these kids and you, you 
you don't know, like unless you've had a background in it, you don't know. And it's so important. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And, and preventing the, let's just throw something against the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. And unfortunately, when you take that approach, sometimes some athletes are going to get injured, how severely depends, but you, I still don't ever want to take that chance in terms of, like you said, you're a coach, your responsibility is to make yeah. sure the athletes stay safe, enjoy what they're doing and actually are able to see improvement. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Kelly, yeah. any parting words, uh, other a- aspects of dryland that we didn't cover? This has been a great conversation. Um, no, I think that last point was what I remembered earlier that I just wish. And um, it's like, if you didn't grow up with that background of knowing about the body and how it works and how the muscles work, the surge strength will help with that. It Like the science, you, you don't dive into it a lot. So they don't have to worry about having right. to know all of that because I'm still trying to learn all that ATP stuff in that. But um, <laughs> it gives you the basics. Mm-hmm. And, that, and it helps the athlete. It's always all about the athletes, right? So what's best for the athletes? Yeah. So. Confession here. I, I probably don't remember the Krebs cycle right now if you tested me. So yeah, I'm not going okay. in, that in depth, right? And, and the level of, I tried to keep it very practical of what as a swim coach do I need to know on a regular basis? And while it's probably good or helpful on some level, if you memorize the Krebs cycle, I don't think that's really going to determine if your program is great or not on a daily basis. So thank you for that endorsement, Kelly. We're going to have to have you back on the podcast when the swimmers get back in the water on a full-time basis to like really see how this dry land is helping them. Yeah, that would be great. Open enrollment to become Surge Strength Dryland Certified is coming soon. Learn more about becoming SSDC at surgestrength.com slash certification. Open enrollment will be for a limited time only. So join the SSDC waitlist and don't miss this chance to gain more knowledge about Dryland. When you become SSDC, you'll be able to save yourself time and frustration while getting better results with your Dryland training. Get ready for open enrollment to become SSDC today.